So, this is us, the church, Christ-centered family. A Christ-centered church is who we attempt to be, who we strive to be. And as we talk about family, and as we've been talking about family, we, we know that as Christians, as believers, that our view and our perspective of family <coughs> excuse me, is different than maybe those that aren't. Because of what the Bible says and because of the way that God has kind of organized the family, the church family, uh, it's, it's different. It's more than just, as we've said, the nuclear family of husband, wife, children. It's more than just marriage. It's more than just singleness. It's, um, it's more than just parenting, which is what we're going to look at today. It's, it's a combination of biological and spiritual family that creates the church. Uh, it's the body of Christ, but the way that we approach these things is what we've been looking at. The way we approach them, because the way we approach them matters. To, to approach them from a Christ-centered place, a, a Christ-centered family, um, these are the things that are the foundation and the structure of the church because the church is made up of people. And people and relationships affect everything as we know. Um, so we've talked about marriage, we've talked about singleness, and we're going to talk about kids and parenting today, um, but in a different way than, than you might anticipate, because all the way that this fits into family, um, known as the body of Christ in the church, uh, it's an important thing to look at. So let me start with this. Let me start with what this is not going to be today, all right? This is not going to be a how to parent seminar, because uh, yeah, that's not what Sunday mornings are for. Number one, I don't think a Sunday morning message can adequately um, accomplish that, and I am no parenting expert. Let me tell you that. I am still trying to figure this out, as, as a lot of people are also. Um, so I'm not going to stand up here and pretend to be one. Um, what I do know is that there are principles in God's Word that apply um, to parenting and to a Christ-centered family. And so we're going to look at those things and that this applies to all of us. Because I would think and hope that, um, that all of us want more of a Christ-centered family in whatever family dynamic you have right now. And, and why? Why do we want that? Because if we are, then we know that we are on the path to God's best for us. And so the church is a Christ-centered family at the core. At least it should be. Um, and as we, we, as the church, we have the responsibility to raise the littlest of disciples. Um, and beginning with the family at home and spreading out into the wider body of the local church. And so this isn't a message just for parents. If you think this is a message just for parents... It's not. Um, this is for everyone because everyone has a part in this. Parents, sure, absolutely. Yes, this is a message for them. But kids, this is also not not a message for you. Um, it's, it's what you should know, what you should look for. Single, somewhere in between, all of that, you have a part in this as well. All of us have a part in this. And so I want to start with the main text of our scripture today because it's going to start us with the end in mind. All right, so we're going to be in the book of Deuteronomy. If you have your Bibles, you have the, uh, the Bible app, uh, you can follow along with me there. We're going to be in Deuteronomy, fifth book of the Bible. Um, if you've got a physical Bible and you're flipping and trying to find it, um, it's right, right toward the beginning there. Um, so let's read this together because this is going to kind of set us up with where we're going here. It says this beginning uh, in verse 6 of chapter 4. 
We're going to be reading verses uh, 6 through 9. It says, Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I'm setting before you today. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So all of these statements before really kind of lead to, to this last statement. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. And this is really our jumping off point here. So the Lord is giving instruction to the nation of Israel through Moses here um, after they've been in the wilderness for a long, long time. And these are really, the book of Deuteronomy, it's, it's, it's almost like Moses' last speeches uh, because he, he dies toward the end. Um, and the whole book really spans about a month of time over the entire book. Uh, and so this is the second generation of Israel Meaning there's a whole generation that has grown up in the wilderness, in, in wandering in the desert and just following where God is telling them to go. Uh, and so the theme of this book in, in a lot of ways is family and instruction to the next generation. And, and it's wrapped throughout the entire book. It's in chapter 6, verse 7. Uh, you see it in chapter 11, which we're going to look at here in a minute. Um, but it's reiterating the importance of a child's first experience of the church is in the home. And at home is the first place where we really become the church together. So if there's kind of like a thesis for the whole day, it's really kind of that. That the home is the first place where we really become the church together. Essentially, the domestic church is kind of what we're looking at here. This is what each family unit is really meant to be, regardless of whether it's a, a two-parent, uh, a single-parent situation, uh, regardless of whether the primary guardian is uh, an aunt or an uncle or grandparent or anything in between. The deal is this. It begins at home. It begins at home. It really does. The influence at home is the most impactful and we're going to talk about that uh, as we keep going. Parents, let me ask you this. How impactful is the church at home through you? How impactful is the church at home through you? Here's what I don't mean. How many Connect Church t-shirts do you wear around the house? That's not what I'm talking about. All right? What I'm not talking about is that. I'm talking about the big C church, right? The church, the body of Christ. How impactful is the church at home through you? Is the, is the church beginning with your influence at home? Because it should be. Um, how in, influential was it for you growing up? Maybe it, maybe it was really good. Maybe it wasn't. For better or for worse, how influential was it for you? You might be here or watching online here right now because the church was influential for you growing up at home might be the opposite. Maybe it was negative for you. Maybe it even was non-existent. And so in some ways, you're kind of the antithesis. You're like, I, I wish I had that. So now I'm here. Now that I have that opportunity, I'm here. I'm watching because I know I needed that and I know I wanted that. Um, and you realize that maybe, <laughs> maybe you now realize that your heavenly father is actually the best parent you'll ever have. 
And so while I am speaking to parents specifically in a lot of ways today, everyone should focus in here because this has to do with all of us. You may not be a parent yet, but you may have influence in a way that a parent does over some people. So listen up so that you can be aware and so that you can have a plan. Because if you don't have a plan, you're gonna succeed every time at not having a plan. If you aim at nothing, you will hit nothing every single time. And this is way too important to not have a plan and to not have some direction. So let me ask you this. Do you read your Bible and let your kids see you doing it? Do you read your Bible with your kids? Do you talk about spiritual things with your kids? Because the more you study the word, the readier you're gonna be to answer the questions that kids ask because they have them. They have the questions and they want to know from you. And there is opportunity for you to be able to do that. What, the unsaid things and the things that they see make a difference in the influence on their lives. And there are tons of opportunities for that. Parents or guardians have the most significant influence in the life of a child. Read this again. Parents and or guardians have the most significant influence in the life of a child. Regardless of what you might think, you might be like, my kid doesn't listen to me about anything. Yeah, I get it. But I'm telling you, you have the most significant influence in the life of your child. Study after study after study proves this. This isn't my opinion. This, and this isn't a religious opinion either, to be honest. This is like a professional study opinion. And if you don't believe this, then you are minimizing the incredible responsibility that God has given you. Because you do. You know, I was a youth pastor for about 11 or 12 years, and I only had about three hours a week with my students. Two hours on Wednesdays, on average, about an hour on Sundays, and then maybe some activities and stuff during the time, but that's not a lot of time. That's not a lot of time for a lot of influence. But where we saw the biggest challenges, to be honest, were the students who had little to no biblical influence at home who had little to no church influence at home, and they were usually the ones that craved it the most. They were usually the ones who wouldn't leave the youth room early. They were usually the ones who by 9.45, 10 o'clock, I had to kick out of the youth room on Wednesday nights, which was a good problem, but I'm like, you, I guess you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We're closing the building, right? But like good problems, you know? They were also the ones who were hanging out at my house all the time. And, and coming over most of the time, they were the ones who ended up hanging out because they just wanted to be around a Christian influence because they didn't see it at home. And you know what we talked about most of the time? When it would come down to talking through problems and things that they were going through, most of the time it centered and revolved around problems at home and not having problems with parents and not having a biblical influence at home. A lot of times that's where it came back to. That's what they were struggling with the most. And many times it equated to they were the only Christian in their home. As a teenager, the only Christian in their home was them. Some of you maybe were that growing up. And it took somebody with maybe some parental influence to speak into you and to pour into you and to pour into your life and, and invest in you and take an interest in you for you to wind up where you are right now. Listen, your influence matters. Your influence matters, and it starts at home. Do not minimize that. 
Do not minimize that. Skip ahead to Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 20 says this. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Have conversations about it. Talk about it. Be that influence. There is an opportunity to share the experiences of God in your life growing up or even where you're at right now with your kids and with those that you have a chance to influence, whether they're actually your kids or the people that maybe are looking up to you. I'm even talking to teenagers here for a second. If you're a teenager, you're high school, maybe upper high school, I'm telling you right now, there are 10, 11-year-olds that are looking up to you. It's, it's the truth. There are, there are 9, 10, 11-year-olds looking up to you, and are, and are you influencing them for the cause of Christ or not? And then all the way up, like that doesn't stop. There are people in this room and people in the first service that I look up to beyond just my parents who have that kind of parental influence in my life and are responsible for me being here. There's a couple of you sitting here that I would, look, that I would say are that in my life for me. There is an opportunity to speaking to our kids about what God is doing in our life and they need to see that they need to hear that to build spiritual relationships with your children they need to know that you're relying on the Lord just as much as maybe they are Warren Wearsby said this when our children are ignorant of the past they will have no hope for the future think about that when our children are ignorant of the past they will have no hope for the future what I'm not saying is teach a history class at home this is talking about specifically you're pointing them toward what God has done in your life and what God is doing and even pointing to what God has done in the past in terms of like maybe in the Bible and in other places in your life that you know he's been influential where you can clearly see that he is doing something or has done something for his purpose and what he wants to do and is going to do in, in their life. Parents, guardians, listen. Do not be afraid to answer questions. Don't be afraid to answer the questions and don't be afraid to admit it when you don't know. When you don't know the question, don't, don't know the answer. But always be willing to search it out with them. But you know what? Some of the spiritual questions that can be asked of us, if we're in God's word and we're taking our role as an influencer in their life seriously, we may be more ready to answer those questions than we realize. But don't be afraid to answer them and don't be afraid to say, you know what, I'm not sure. I've had to do that with my kids even in the last couple of weeks. I'm not quite sure about that one. Let me, let me look into that. Don't be afraid because, it, listen, it takes dedication. It takes dedication to this. And it takes this being an important thing for us to really put our foot down and say, this is something I'm going to take my role as an influencer in the life of my child or, or, or nephew or whatever that might be. Seriously, it takes dedication, but the dedication begins at home. It begins at home. But being a church, part of a church family that is dedicated to training up the next generation, it's huge as well because the church also comes alongside of us. Granted, like I said, as a youth pastor, I only had three to four hours a week, maybe at the most, to, to influence a student. But there's so much more influence coming at home. But for me to partner alongside parents is huge. 
and a, and a big piece of that. Because as parents, on the other side of the ball of that, I can't do everything. And I can't always be there with everything. And so we need other godly influences on our kids. But it's, it's why we offer things like child dedication here at the church. It's why it's something that we will do as part of a service once a year or maybe even a separate time. We've even done one just at a separate time from a Sunday morning as a time to just dedicate our, our children to the Lord and to train them up because it's wrapped into our values that are stuck on the wall right over there, right? All people matter to God and therefore matter to us. And that includes our kids and your kids and the kids that we have the opportunity as the church family to influence. All people matter to us because all people matter to God. And that life change happens best in community. And that community is the family, the church family of God. And that we can see life change happen in amazing ways through that if we're diving into that. The body of believers vows to help raise children in the faith and then to disciple adults as well because the process continues. It doesn't just stop when they turn 18. A lot of us know that. It's got to continue. And those principles that we can establish with our kids can then continue moving on as we grow and as the church grows. And so promising to raise each other up and to support each other and to be there for each other as brothers and sisters in the family of faith, it's huge. And the responsibility of teaching children the faith, while still primarily it, that rests on us as parents, absolutely, but it's also shared among us as the church. It has to be. This is a big part of the reason why phase two, that we've been saying it's more than a building. That's a big part of why. Because we are pouring into and training up the next generation and we're putting our money where our mouth is. Literally and figuratively. That's a, a lot of the reason why that building is there and what's gonna be happening with it moving forward. And you know, the kids that didn't get Jesus at home that I you know, had experience with only on Sundays and Wednesdays, some of them fell away because the only influence they had was three hours a week. Some of them fell away from the faith. Some of them fell away from church. And it really saddens me. It does. It hurts my heart. Big time. But some of them have actually gone on to Christian college. Some of them have gone on to, to do things in ministry now because when they saw what they were missing and the impact that they could make giving giving others something that they wish that they had and they dove into that and fell into that in an amazing way and allowed the Lord to guide them and direct them in that way Lord got a hold of them they wanted to make a difference in the world for Jesus and they are and I'm super proud of them but it's because of what Jesus did through them and it's because maybe a couple of people whether it was me or you know, people on my youth staff that were able to, to pour into them and push them to find God's best and God's calling and God's purpose for their life. And they're making a difference in the world for Jesus. Look at 1 John 4, 8. It says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Such a simple statement, but so much wrapped into it. You know, God meets the deepest desires of us and God meets the deepest desires of a child's heart that maybe 
they didn't even know. Maybe they weren't even aware of the deep desires that they have that only God can meet. You know, a lot of times as parents or, or teachers, we feel as if maybe our kids um, have no interest in learning about God. They maybe may seem like they're, they're writing it off or whatever, when really it's, it's us as adults who haven't maybe presented God in a way to them that meets the need of the child for the given moment. Maybe we haven't done that. Let's keep reading. Verse 9 through 10 says, this is how God showed his love among us. Think about that for a second. He showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. What's this saying? This is saying that, that Jesus, that God came to our level. He came to our level to speak to us where we needed to hear it. And I believe that if you're a follower of Jesus, or maybe even you're searching right now, that Jesus has met you on your level where you are. Maybe in a way that he didn't meet me or the person sitting next to you or the person in front of you, but he's, he's a personal God. And he's met you on your level in some ways. I don't know if, you've, if, if you ever talk to kids or you see somebody do this. I try to do this if I'm, if I'm talking with, with kids because it makes a difference to actually like crouch down when you're talking to them and like talk to them on their level because if you're just talking up, down at them, that's all they feel. And it, isn't it awesome that Jesus comes down to our level, he gets literally and figuratively gets down and talks to us on, on eye to eye. He doesn't have to, he's God. But he does because he loves us. And he showed his love to us. God showed his love to us through the face of Jesus. And he said, let the little children come to me. Even when the adults were trying to push all the kids away from Jesus, you may remember that story. Jesus said, stop it. Let, let the little children come to me. And he got down on their level and was there with them. The different aspects of Jesus, the different faces of Jesus, I think are something that we all need and we all need to emulate in many ways as well because we're ambassadors as followers of Jesus. And it all centers around his love and it can be personalized as it has been to each of us but from each of us because love has many faces. But God is love. And you might be the only Jesus that your kids ever see. You might be the only Jesus your kids ever have the chance to be influenced by or see. And as a parent or guardian or teacher, we should be asking ourselves, what is the face of God that a child needs? Which face of God does your child need to see? Because they can see it through you. They can see him through you. Which face of God does he need to see? What do I mean by that? Well, let me give you a couple examples. Maybe, maybe you have a teenager and maybe they're struggling maybe with the complexities of, you know, dating and romance and all of that. And maybe the idea of the church being the bride and Jesus being the bridegroom, the bride of Christ, that whole idea and the way that Jesus loves us in that way, maybe that's a way that the face of God can speak to them as they're dealing with that aspect of their life. That's just one idea. Maybe the image of God is the good shepherd 
as he's the protector of us. Maybe that's something that speaks to maybe, you know, the little ones, like the four to five-year-olds, as you can kind of tell the story about, about how Jesus is the good shepherd and how he protects us. Maybe the image of, of Jesus as the vine and us as the branch and being connected to him or, or disconnected from him could speak to like the nine to 11-year-olds, something along those lines, as they're coming to understand sin and how being disconnected from the vine. There's example after example in scripture about that. Parents, guardians, teachers, we should always be asking and on the lookout for the face of God that our kids need because they can see that through us. What is the face of God that our kids need to see? And there's opportunities for that. So let's, let's point them to him in all that we do. I'll give you another resource. This is just a quick audible for a second. A little resource off the top of my head for everybody is that we have Right Now Media and to use that, there's a whole kids section on there. There's a whole teens section on there. There's a whole area of things that you could do with your family where you could sit down and do a video Bible. And we want to talk about speaking to, to kids and students on their level. They're all on YouTube. Let's use maybe Right Now Media as, as, a, as a way in to that conversation to show them the face of God. That's just one. What are some other ways? Because you know your kids. You know the way that, that the influence of this world can pull them down and pull them away. So instead, let's point them to Jesus in all that we say, in all that we do, in all that we react, in all the, all the ways in which we respond. Let's point them to the face of God that is personal and that meets them at their greatest need because our students and our kids have greater needs now than ever. Some of the things, I mean, even just 10 years ago that I think about that our students and our kids are dealing with now we didn't have to deal with 10 years ago. Some of the choices and decisions and things that they're being put in the position to have to make, we need to point them to Jesus now more than ever. And he's personal and he meets us at our greatest need, but we have to take the responsibility to point them there. So this is us, or at least who we should be. So the connection point for the day is that a Christ-centered family points their kids to Jesus. And I don't just mean your family. I mean our entire family, our church family. Yes, also your family, but our entire family, the church family. A Christ-centered family points their kids to Jesus. And this is as much of an invitation as it is a challenge. And it's both. As we've said, marriage will not complete you. Singleness, dating relationships will not complete you. Children will not complete you. Only God completes you. Only God completes people. And having a Christ-centered family brings us closer and closer to the feeling of completion because we're always gonna have that hole that can only be filled by God. And our kids and our students who we have the opportunity to influence for the kingdom need us more than ever to in a loving, relevant way point them to Jesus by being the face of God that they need to see. Not the judgmental face. Not the face telling them that they're doing everything wrong. Not the face telling them how stupid they are or anything along those lines. 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't discipline and correct or any of those things because we're not loving if we're not doing that either. But we need to point them to Jesus because we're never gonna be as good a parent as he is. And without him, well, then we're all hopeless. Only the hope of Jesus. Only the hope of Jesus can bring us to where we need to be. We are a family and we need to point our kids to the King of Kings in the best way that we can. And that starts at home and extends to our church home. We you bow your heads with me? Some of us maybe didn't have the greatest home growing up. We didn't have the greatest influence from God growing up and, and, and Jesus, we still found Jesus even with that. But you know what? You can be that influence to those around you, to the littlest of disciples that we have the responsibility to teach and train and, and equip for the kingdom. I don't care how old you are. If you're 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, you have influence over, over the little ones underneath of you because they're looking to you and you can point them to Jesus. If you're in your 20s and you're single, the teenagers are looking to you and you can point them to Jesus and it, and it keeps going. And parents, we have such a huge responsibility and influence. Don't take it lightly. Don't take it lightly. I know that it can be tough. Believe me, I know. But it's worth it. If you don't have a relationship with their Heavenly Father, today might be the day that you can get that right with Him as well. I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. If you just need prayer about this, you can talk to us afterwards. You can comment if you're watching online. I'd love to pray with you. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, there's no better day to do that. You may be having trouble at home with your kids. But the only advice I can give you is to try to point them to Jesus. But if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, that's going to be really hard to do. Father, I love you. I thank you that you love us so much. Thank you for the way that you call us up to more, that you call us to, to purpose, and you call us to make a difference and to be an influencer in the life of those younger than us. And I thank you for those that poured into me. And I thank you that I've had the opportunity to pour into others as well. Lord, all of us have that opportunity and I pray that we would take that seriously. Jesus, there is a generation coming up that needs you more than ever. And we have an opportunity to point them to the King of Kings. And I pray that we would take that opportunity. Everyone wants love and acceptance. And Father, we, we get that from you in such an amazing way. Help us to give that to others as well. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Savior, if there's one watching that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would speak to them in a, in a powerful way and that they would make that decision today, that they would give their life to you. Father, I pray you'd go before us now as we go out into this world as the church because the church isn't a building, it's a people. And then we can go out and make a difference for the next generation for you because a Christ-centered family points their kids to Jesus. So Father, help us to point our kids to you. We thank you for loving us no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.